Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist. And we have with us the main man of the hour, the man. If you don't know who he is, Alex Craner is a good buddy of uh, Matthew Errett. Alex is one of the most prolific minds in understanding analysis in terms of markets, e- economics, as well as the broader geopolitical, geostrategic gameplay. He is the author of The Killing of William Browder, The Grand Deception, and Mastering Uncertainty in Commodities Training. He's a market analyst and speaker. Uh, what he's he's a researcher, a futures trader, investor, and author, former hedge fund manager based in Monaco. Uh, he was born and raised in a socialist regime of former Yugoslavia under the one-party communist rule. This gave him the experience of inflation, which accelerated to hyperinflation during the mid-80s. At 17, he joined uh, the student exchange program in the United States, where he took upon university studies, and from there... Um, his path led to Switzerland on a scholarship where he completed a degree in business and economics and advanced to a master's program. And from Switzerland, he moved to Venezuela, where he lived for a year and experienced his first banking uh, crisis in 1994. That's always fun, Alex. Not as well as 16 banks failed and brought the country's economy to a grinding halt. Wow, this is talk about experience here. That year, turned uh, he turned back to his native Croatia joined the military where he served through 1995 during the last phases of Croatia's War of Independence. And in 1996, upon discharge from the military, he took employment at an oil trading company in Monaco. In 1998, he became the head of risk and, in 2000, the company's CEO. And he had originated the firm's research and development program in market analysis and application of neural networks and artificial intelligence in trading financial and commodities markets. By 2007, he launched his own investment management business and was among the small minority of managers who generated positive investment returns during the 2008 financial crisis. And over the following six years, uh, as the hedge hedge fund outperformed the Dow Jones Credit Suisse Index of blue chip managed futures funds. And in 2011, he joined Lee Robinson's um, Atlanta Wealth to manage the firm's tail risk strategy. And from 2012 to 2019, Always relying on the I-System strategies, this fund outperformed Eureka Hedge Tail Risk Index. And as the author in 2015, he published his first book titled Mastering Uncertainty in Commodities Training, was ranked number one book on financialexpert.co.uk list of the five best commodities books for investors and traders and for 2021, as well as the five-star rating on Amazon. In 2019, Journal of Corporate Accounting and Finance published his latest paper on commodities price risk management titled Commodity Price Risk Profits and Value Creation. In 2017, he published the book, The Great Deception, The Truth About Bill Browder, The McGinsky Act, 
and the anti-Russia sanctions. The book was banned after intervention by, by, by the swamp creature, Jonathan Weiner, former policy advisor to Secretary of State John, the haircut looking for a brain, Kerry, in the Obama administration. In 2021, he also published Alex Craner's trend-following Bible. In October 2021, Amazon deleted his account because that's what we do these days in the West. We like to book burn and digitally ban. And uh, so uh, that was a, a unanimous five-star review book and appropriated all the royalties owned since 2018. Amazon continues to sell the books, although at a hugely inflated prices and no, and probably retains all proceeds from their sales. It's incredible. Alex, what a bloody resume, man. Amazing. Glad to have you on. You are a guy. I'm very happy to join with you. Uh, Greetings from Monaco to all your listeners and viewers. And so uh, let's have some fun. Absolutely. You are one of the rare individuals, my friend, that has experienced bank failure, hyperinflation, war, all of it at the same lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting, but you know, uh, it's uh, a, a, what did they say? I hope you live in interesting times. And my God, are we living in interesting times, aren't we? We really are. I mean, we're seeing the complete uh, uh, coming apart of the system that we've so relied upon. Most people just, uh, you know, so uh, have taken things for granted. They ubiquitously just relied on this 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 wealth and this power and prestige to be there. And now it's coming to an end, Alex. So there's a lot of crazy things happening. So where do you want to begin? How do you want to unravel this big ball of yarn? I don't know. I guess we can start with uh, with what's going on today with the with the pandemic. That's uh, you know, like uh, I I have the impression just from being active in social media on Twitter and on Facebook and even on LinkedIn that that subject has kind of swamped everything else. I see more and more discussion of that one subject. Um. And even I just I just kind of looked down my Twitter activity and I noticed that every tweet I've tweeted in the last I don't know how many weeks has been about the pandemic. Even yeah. though I set up my um, social media presence as a you know like as a kind of a business thing, you know I wanted to promote my my business, my professional activity, and so on. And I see that it's devolved into. Um, into a commentary about the pandemic. Yeah. And I think it's logical because everything else we strive for in life is going to turn out to be completely meaningless if we lose the one thing uh, that gives life, uh, that makes life worth living, and that's liberty. If we lose liberty, we become cattle. Absolutely. And everything else, you know, trading commodities, um, uh, managing investments, whatever, whatever, whatever you 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 think you're going to be doing in life doesn't matter anymore because it can all be taken away from you, at a, you know like at a moment's notice, and we lose we lost we already lost our civil liberties to a great extent. We've lost our uh, much of our legal protection. Perfect example. Just about a month ago, I discovered that Amazon completely deleted my account. The reason being, uh, I had a three-month back and forth with them about unpaid royalties. So they forgot mm-hmm. to pay me my royalties since December 2018. And after three months of back and forth, finally, like a human being from Amazon responds and says, like, yes, in fact, we owe you money. We're going we're gonna to pay you out 
over the next uh, five to eight business days. And uh, literally hours after receiving that email, uh, I receive another email from Amazon, which says like, you know what, we're deleting your account, we're deleting your books effective immediately, and we're not paying you out anything. It wasn't exactly in those words, you know, they made yeah. it sound technical, but that's what happened. Practically, essentially, there's no recourse, you know, if you, if you have very large resources, maybe you can go and sue them. Uh, but if you have large resources, they wouldn't do that to you. You know, like they wouldn't do that to, I don't know, Tucker Carlson or Joe Rogan. But you right. know, Alex Greiner, who's he? You know, just take his money and delete. They still sell my books. Uh, yeah. They, you know, like they cranked up the prices. Uh, they still sell my books, except, you know, <laughs> they keep all the proceeds for themselves, I think. I could be wrong, but, you know, that's that that's what it looks like. No, I've seen that happen. Yeah. I, I've seen... Um, yeah. um, books from uh, individuals who are uh, what they deem to be controversial uh, this day and age. And I've yeah. seen their books, uh, even though the individual hasn't placed a new book on Amazon and they're posting these books for sale on other platforms, Amazon will ratchet up the cost and price of those books to exorbitant levels. I mean, books that should be like 20 or $30 are going for 400 It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My book, which was selling for twenty six bucks, is now selling for something just south of nine hundred dollars. It's crazy. And I, you know, like I hope nobody buys it. And if yeah. they do buy it, I feel I feel bad for them. I mean, I I, I put them, I put them on my on my website. I put up the PDFs on my website where anybody can download them for free. Because I, you know, like I just feel bad that somebody would pay nine hundred bucks for my book and and just give that money to Amazon for no good reason. I mean, you know, like there's nothing there worth nine hundred dollars. Well, well, Jeff Bezos has to fly to space on his. Yeah, uh, it costs know, his, a lot of money, so I understand. I understand. It's know? expensive. I mean, he built himself a phallic-shaped rocket that looks like a, a penis, and he needs to fly into space. I, I don't know what that's all about, Alex, but yeah, it's. it's 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 extremely bizarre, but it's just one of the one of so many bizarre things that you know. Like I, I think that people can't even keep up with all this stuff. You know, like everything that's going on. I think um, I don't know if it's done on purpose to disorient people, but it's it, it is disorienting. You know, yeah. like it, it's 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 hard to even keep up. But anyway, you know, to get back to the to the to the topic, I think that the subject of pandemic is very relevant because. Mm, I think that it's taking us in the direction of a, of a totalitarian state, of a totalitarian police state, uh, which I think would make, make 1984 look mild by comparison. And I think that if we don't uh, push back and if we don't stop uh, the agenda, uh, we're gonna we're gonna gift our children a life not worth living. You know, we're gonna we're gonna give them away into slavery. Absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, one thing that I'm actually kind of pleased about why I think that this um, pandemic has been a gift is because if I said this a year ago or maybe at the beginning of a pandemic, most people thought I was a conspiracy crank. Mm. And uh, today I think a large seg segment of the population actually uh, is starting to suspect that this is true that the you know the conspiracy theorists have had a point all along yeah very well said i mean we lose sacred liberty 
then we are stepping into a thousand years of darkness. I have no doubt about that. A thousand years of darkness. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't be that pessimistic, you know, because we've, you know, like we had precedents. Yeah. In, like, like the Soviet Union. Sure. That was very radical, but it, how long did it last? 70 years. Yeah. And it fell apart. It collapsed. It was it was completely unsustainable. So I, I I doubt that any force in the world could maintain such a such a pathogenic system intact for you know even that long. Yeah. Let alone a thousand years. I think there's something about human spirit that they will not be able to change. And I think that there's a there's a deep yearning for freedom in inside every healthy human let's say if your if your mind and body are intact um i don't i don't think you easily reconcile yourself to living as a slave Correct. so i think the system will fall anyhow yeah it's just a question of when how soon and how much damage it's going to do in the in the process yeah alex recently of late we had cop 26 uh, i like to call it flop 26 where the brilliant minds of uh, Western democracies got together to hammer out exactly what they're going to do this time around in order to save the planet. Because I don't know if you've gotten the memo, Alex, we only have eight years to live. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they keep moving up this climate change, <laughs> end of the world thing, you know? 50 years of failure. So now it's uh, in the next eight years, we're going to be dead. <laughs> What's your take yeah. on everything that's happening? Not only with comp 26, but if you could expose, if you could peel back the layers of what the heck is going on with the West in comparison to the solutions you see coming out of China, coming out of Russia, coming out of the East, and how the rest of the world's reacting to this battle, one of a dying system, one of a dying hegemon, and the other a system that promotes creativity and human advancement? Um. Yeah, it's a big question. I think that the the uh, very well, you know, like you 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 intimated already that these are very bright minds. I I know, I know that you said this sarcastically, <laughs> and this has also dawned on me. You know, having having listened to many of their speeches and lectures and uh, read many of their, um, I, I haven't read Schwab's um great reset book I, I i can't put myself through this but i i at least i I, re, I listened to many of these these people's speeches and, and and interviews and so forth and it dawned on me that they're not very bright they're, i mean like it in fact in some in some ways this this struck me as staggeringly dumb people sure. and you know i i think the reason is because many of these schemes uh, were concocted a long time ago you know probably during the empire's unipolar moment 20 years ago you know when 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 you know russia was flat on its back completely uh, in 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 chaos and quagmire of corruption and and chaos uh, Russia was still, um, sorry, China was still very weak, and the United States and the West were triumphant. They, they, I mean, a lot of people really believed that the system was uh, invincible. You know, not just the military and 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 diplomatic domination of the world, but even the economic system. You know, the the creativity, the innovation, the super efficient allocation of resources and so forth. 
So they thought that they were, well, remember they, they formulated the project for the new American century. Right. That was, that was like an embodiment of hubris there. You know, like if you read that, oh my God, these yes, people were fully convinced that they were going to rule the world. It was forecasting in a vacuum. I mean, Alex, let's be honest here. If a guy like that with that type of a mindset, the type of guys who put together Project for a New American Century, Paul Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney, Ronald yeah. Dumb, you know, Donald Rumsfeld, if these guys were to walk into your hedge fund and ask for a job, and this is the metric that they're utilizing, they would use like these, you know, forecasting in a vacuum. You'd fire them on the spot. Well, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever work with people like that. I mean, you know, like these are. These are people who would do well in academia, you know, like where they where they, you know, like get their grants to do research and uh, write out uh, elegant sounding academic papers that nobody reads, you know, right. social sciences. But in practical terms, I'm not sure how many of them had any experiences of, of doing anything in real life, how many of them have any skills at all. Right. You know, Donald, Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney, arguably they were you know, like they were businessmen when they were not in politics, but all of their business ventures were were, were just, you know, um, spawn of corruption. Sure. You know, so they, they got they got government contracts. How do you fail when the government contracts are, are feeding you? All you have to do is do stuff, you know, and, you know, it goes well. And if you have a strong lobbying power, you look like a genius. But, you know, they, they, they didn't really create anything uh real they didn't you know no real life skills yeah. Wolfowitz, uh, all of these people uh, klaus schwab um another genius no yeah so uh i i i think they get a lot of things wrong you know and and i think that they get get them wrong so badly so categorically wrong that their schemes have not a snowball's chance in hell of working you know so you know, like when you're when, when you're enjoying your unipolar moment and you figure you're not going to have any rivals in the world, then you can impose these carbon schemes. But you know, like if you if you uh, take your whole economy and set it on, I don't know, solar power and wind power, and make energy extremely expensive and scarce you're just disadvantaging yourself, your nation, your whole population, while, yeah. you know, your rivals like China and Russia and Iran are using uh, nuclear energy and oil and coal, and they're going to advance, they're going to leap way ahead of you, and you're not going to be able to, uh, to compete with them. They're going to overpower you in the end. So it makes no sense whatsoever, but they're pushing ahead with it anyway because you know, like they formulated all these strategies back when they thought that they were feasible. And now, you know, like they're too far gone. They, they cannot get back and, uh, you know, to, to square one and say, this is not going to work. So let's just, you know, let's just cut our losses. No, they're going to, was it John Kenneth Galbraith said that, you know, people of privilege will risk their total destruction before they will give up any part of their privilege. And this is what we see happening. So these people have decided to go all the way and they are going all the way. And anybody reasonable could tell them, you know, you should, you should stop because you're going to destroy much and you're not going to create anything at all. You know, like you're going to, uh, you know, the, the build back part is not going to happen because you're going to do such radical destruction of not only your economy, but also your society. 
who's gonna who's gonna build anything? You know, you're gonna be you're, you're gonna be um, sitting duck for China and Russia and other other uh, global powers that are going to advance in a reasonable way. And so the same thing with this the same thing with this pandemic. You know, obviously it has nothing to do with with public health. That I think that's clear enough, even you know, even to people's pets. <laughs> uh, the the only the only agenda the, sorry the only explanation that uh, makes sense is that it's being used as as a means of um, instituting authoritarian uh, totalitarian um, rule over the Western uh, societies right. and they even you know they there's even there's even good academic research that correlates over you know, through much of the 20th century, it correlates the um, the prevalence of infectious disease in a society with emergence of totalitarian govern governments. Mm -hmm. And so, the um, this research paper, uh, uh, which I you know I, I can't I can't now give you the exact title of it, but it's uh, it's published in PLOS, and basically the correlation between the prevalence of infectious disease in a society and totalitarian governments is something like 76%, which is a staggering correlation that, for that. scientists. So it's 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 like um, I think I think Jordan Peterson said that that's that's higher. The correlation is higher than the correlation between IQ and the test results in, in mm. school. So uh, you know, obviously, the the uh, the existence of an invisible enemy. That could be anywhere, at any yeah, time, yeah. is uh, the best possible way to do away with with uh, civil liberties, with the democratic institutions, with um, with uh, human rights, and so on. Because you know the the authorities are doing it for your protection, and even if you don't want to comply, you have to all the same because then you're a danger to other people. And then they can, you know, uh, rally up other people to put pressure on you to comply, even if you, even if you see through it and you don't want to comply. And so, uh, you know, at the same, at the very same time as they are escalating hostilities against Russia, against China, um, and and trying to pick a fight in in wherever they can, you know, in in Syria and Ukraine and uh, in South China Sea and. You, you know, you name it. They're 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 trying to get a war going. At the very same time, they are going very harshly against their own population and demoralizing them very heavily. Who's going to fight the wars? You know, how are you going to rally up the people to go and fight Russia if tomorrow you decide that that's the war you want to have, or China if that if you decide? Because the the the, the narrative is that they are totalitarian regimes and they're. Uh, a danger to our way of life. Well, you're destroying our way of life, and you're showing yourself to be more totalitarian than the Chinese. You know, I, I don't know if I had a choice today between living in Australia and living in China. I go to China, no, absolutely no doubt about it. You know, right? Even though two years ago that wouldn't have been the case. I mean, Australia. You know, I think everybody thought of it as a, as this really cool, chilled out, wonderful place to be. But look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah all you do is drink beer have barbecues and surf that's australia <laughs> yeah. yeah and so you know it's the, the 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 elites or i i think it's better to call them parasites because they really are parasites uh i i think their their, their schemes are totally harebrained they're going nowhere but they're going to cause a lot of damage to most of the rest of us and i think that even though they cannot have their 
thousand year global empire like they would like to, they still could carve out a, you know, a, a, a regime similar like the Soviet Union and, 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 and erect a, an iron curtain around it. And I think that, you know, that's, that's what they might to do, try to do as, a, as their consolation prize. I had, I was talking to uh, Tim Kirby over at RT and uh, Tim was telling me that uh, just recently uh, the U.S. government has, does not recognize the Sputnik V vaccine, does not recognize it. So if you are uh, somebody who is a resident, let's just say you're a U.S. national living in Russia and you happen to take the Sputnik V, guess what? You're unvaccinated. So what's happening, you mentioned the Iron Curtain. The vaccine passes are creating already a digital iron curtain between nations. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, that's correct, and that's you know that's that's one thing that has amazed me about about the 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 Sputnik V vaccine mm -hmm. uh, because you know I kind of thought about it and and you know like this this is this is another example where the scheme was. We, we, well, okay, you know, like there's much evidence that the planning for this pandemic uh, began no later than 2003, okay? So already in 2003, there's, there's evidence that the active planning for this exact agenda has, uh, has begun. Uh, but, you know, as far as most people knew, this just came out of the blue in 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 December of 2019, right? And yeah. and then we had the lockdowns in in March. Right. Uh, how did Russians know to prepare this vaccine and to uh, roll it out before any of the Western vaccines? I'm I was a little bit amazed by this, but you see here again, you know, if you go back to statements by Bill Gates where he was saying. We're not get going back to normal un until we have seven billion people vaccinated. Hmm. Clearly, they were planning on having monopoly on these vaccines. They thought that Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, and AstraZeneca, and I, I don't know if there are any others, Western, you know, Western-produced vaccines would have the monopoly, and that seven billion people would be obliged to take the Western vaccine. Right. So when the Russians came out with their Sputnik V, they totally put a spanner in their work, in their works because now, you know, the Russians are actively trying to get this vaccine approved and accepted in the West. What does that mean? That means that whatever, whatever this bureaucracy that they're, um, that they're building, the, you know, like the bureaucracy that would control our vaccine passes, our QR, yeah. QR codes, these systems will not be able to uh, be monopolized by Western powers. Now, if, if, if Sputnik vaccine is accepted and there's, there's like strong diplomatic and lobbying efforts uh, going on in Europe to get this done, and it seems like the Russians are going to be successful at this. Well, now they have to talk to Russians. Yes. Because they have to, they have to open these systems to Russians, to Russian vaccines, uh, to their own product. And now they have to, you know, like the, they cannot monopolize it. They cannot have this control of these, of these vaccine passports all in one hands. And so this, and, you know, com confirming my suspicions was I, 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 I in a few weeks ago, I randomly came across a, 
a Russian television uh, interview with some old general, like a, mm. a man in his late 60s or 70s. And he was being interviewed by a, by a TV host. And then when she asked him about the, the, the pandemic, he kind of dismissed it. He says like, oh, no, no, you know, the, the pandemic has nothing to do with public health. The way we regard the pandemic is purely a geopolitical event. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the Russians uh, somehow understood that this was coming and they prepared and they prepared in a way that can potentially cause huge problems for whoever was hoping to be, you know, have sovereign control over this agenda. Now they basically preempted it. Yeah. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the situation evolves. But again, you know, like they they unleash the whole thing thinking that it's going to be their, you know, travel control documents, their vaccines, their everything, because, you know, they thought this up when they didn't anticipate any rivals. Well, they have rivals. And now, you know, the, the whole thing doesn't make sense if you can't control it. You know, it's yeah. it's. It's almost as if it's there. Um, I mean, when you look at the Western hegemons, when you look at the unipolar world, um, their whole trade routes, their whole economic system is all based on ports and sea routes, right? Correct. Now, when you have a vaccine pass in place, now you're controlling even further who can move, what goods can move, and what businesses can participate in the global economy. It, it was such a strategic move that Russia was able to throw a monkey wrench into that because this would have given yeah. the, the, the hegemons in the West complete dictatorial control, and we would have been steamrolled into their insane build-back-better scheme. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. And you would have no choice about it because they could they could effectively, you know, the, uh, they were not ready for this also. That's another thing to to to. Uh, to notice they were not they, they didn't have all their systems ready for rolling this out but you know uh, little by little they would they would probably uh, evolve the system and then you know they could they could cut you out yeah. from participating in, in the economy on 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 on, on their say so you know like by flip, flipping a switch you know they could say they could say uh, guess what you you haven't had your booster we're cutting your internet we're cutting your electricity you can't you can't buy this you can't buy that hey you uh, we noticed that you bought cigarettes well you know we don't want you to smoke so uh, we're going to be you know blocking your account or you know whatever they could see exactly every single item you buy yeah and it's a more granular sanctioning tool i mean think about yeah, it right exactly. if you cannot go after a russian oligarch's funds if you cannot go after a russian uh, parliamentarians' funds, or, or 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 whatnot, or a Russian company that is working actively against your sick, twisted, hegemonic plans. Well, the, what you could do is, uh, well, we don't know where the CEO of uh, of let's just say, uh, as an example, for Rosneft, we don't know where his accounts are exactly. Well, we'll just uh, shut off his vaccine pass. Now yeah. we can cut him off from the. You know, it, it it's it's sanctioning at a at a granular level. And that's what these psychopaths wanted. It's incredible, Alex. You mentioned this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's clearly what they want to achieve. I mean, they they they're they're even open about it. They're they're talking about it. I mean, they they they're 
you know, World Economic Forum has published such a wealth of documents where you can read all this. It's 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 out there in the open. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy, but you don't have to theorize much about it. You can just go and read for yourself. It seems incredible. A lot of people still have trouble believing it because I think that most people were unprepared to that 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 such a that such a monstrous scheme would even be entertained by anybody you know like these people belong in an asylum yeah but they're actually doing it and you know at first there was but i think that there's less and less you know like it brings us kind of back to the beginning of the discussion i see i see that on the social media the discussion of of this uh, pandemic has kind of taken over i i mean even even linkedin even linkedin which i never enjoyed all that much because there's like a a certain psychophantic culture to it you know like people 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 put their best face forward in in the way they think will get them mm, approval in the business world you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. like going into a corporate meeting yeah. you're not you're we are one persona in a corporate meeting than you are at a pub and you know and linkedin is the is the corporate boardroom of of social media while Facebook is maybe a pub where people just shoot their mouth off. Right. But even in those in that corporate board social media, the LinkedIn, the there's more and more talk about the pandemic and you know people are seeing through it because you know the the, the lies are becoming so obvious that I think even people who wanted to believe and who wanted to kind of like comply and get their normal lives back, you know, the the, the hope of getting your normal life back. Are started starting to step back and see that like it's 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 not happening we're gonna have to we're gonna have to push back and decline obedience decline uh, compliance or else it's gonna be you know like to me you know to me the the unthinkable thing is that the agenda is successful and that I uh, gift that future to my children mm. you know what i mean that's that's yeah. it's almost you know like that's that's the level of cowardice that should be unacceptable yeah. you shouldn't you know like you should you should take the fight now so that your children can live a better life rather than yeah. saying you know uh i don't really want to take any risk and then the hell with it you know future generations will have to deal with the consequences i think that's unacceptable yeah. You know, I, I see here, you know, in the, in the living in the United States, I used to live in New York. And when things went downhill uh, right uh, in the middle of the pandemic, that's when, uh, you know, my wife and I were like, OK, it's time for us to get the hell out of here. Uh, you know, things are devolving. And right now I'm looking at the United States and how the trends are going here uh, in the U.S. And I could even say in the EU, there's there there is a balkanization occurring. There is a. There's a stark difference uh, with states that are rising up against this uh, biomedical security state that's ar that's arising, and uh, they're fighting it, and they're going against it. They're suing it, and, and thank God that there are laws in place and enough separation of powers that I think that now the talk is, Alex, is uh, will there be some sort of secession? Will there be a divorce between states that are what we call the, you know, the blue states and, and the red states, so to speak, you know, and 
We're also seeing a lot of tension in Europe with uh, with people in Italy, people in hell, even in, I saw videos of out of Switzerland, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands that are in the street protesting this. What's yeah. your take on on how the things are being played out? Did the globalists overplay their card? Did they overplay their hand? Did they expose themselves too much? Because right now, you know, we're having a global uprising against this, number one. Number two, I mean, this morning I spoke on over 75 athletes that have dropped dead because they've used this treatment, this product protocol that's put out there. 75 have dropped dead that we know of. There's countless more that are out there. At what point can they no longer cover up high-profile athletes dropping dead? The global uprising in the West where people that are Westerners that are standing up against this. Do you think that these guys, uh, these globalists have overplayed their hands? Are they going to pull back? Will they move forward? Are they going for broke? Or will they shy back into the darkness? What's your take, Alex? Um, allow me just one clarification sure. because you said 75 uh, athletes job dead. I saw, I saw lists of athletes who had some kind of an event collapse, mm -hmm. but the list I saw, some of them died, but not all of them. I was, I was translating it out of Germany, out of German. So I must admit it. Okay. Maybe it's the same list. Okay. So just to be precise, not all of them died. Some of them died. But some of them just ended up in reanimation or, or hospital, you know, uh, yeah. some of them ha had heart attacks. But all the same, this did, this never used to happen. This never used to happen. This is. So you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me 24 year olds, you mean to tell me 24 year olds having, uh, you know, professional athletes who are 24 years old having heart attacks isn't, isn't normal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's completely abnormal. And it, 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 did you, did you notice just a few weeks ago, they started with this uh, advertising campaign trying to normalize kids having heart attacks. And now we see that kids do get heart attacks. Wow, I didn't see that. And they're saying like, oh yeah, that's normal. You know, kids kids get heart attack as well. You know, that's, no, th this this is not normal. Never was normal. I mean, I'm 51 years old and I've never heard of children having heart attacks, but okay, whatever, let's leave that alone. Yeah, to answer your question, I, I think they absolutely did overplay their hand dramatically mm. again you know uh, mm, uh reinforcing that conclusion that they're not really very smart yeah they are uh i you know like they seem to me like mean kids with with a lot of resources you know who decide to play to play an experiment and who think that they have the benefit of impunity so if it doesn't work out oh well you know they're going to regroup and try again because this is not the first pandemic they tried you know this is this is yeah. an you know over the last 20 years they ran so many you know like remember sars mers uh, zika yep. uh, swine flu bird flu they, they they just kept doing this every year or every 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 two years and so they definitely did overplay their hand and i think that uh i um I forget her name now, but there's a whistleblower who was uh, working together and st I think still is with uh, Dr. Reiner Fulmich, who is, who is mm -hmm. the guy who's um, mounting a, a court case against, I guess, protagonists of this agenda. Um, and she said, and this I, I, I was suspecting this all along, that she said that they, um, the, this agenda was originally planned for 2050 and then they moved it back to 2030 and then they uh, launched it in 2020 and the reason they launched it you know from what i see 
as you know as, as, as an analyst in financial markets is that their financial system was about to implode so yes go back to september 2019 you had that uh, repo armageddon oh my god which was, which was very bad which was an indication that something was majorly wrong in the system uh, they needed a massive bailout and so the you know the pandemic was a was a ideal smokescreen and then you know uh, there was a there was a risk or almost it was almost inevitable that they would ultimately lose control of the financial system mm. so in order to in order to preempt that and set the world to a new financial system that they still control so you know like they want to they want to uh, uh, wipe the slate clean but retain control over all the um, all the relevant levers of power in society and so the the pandemic agenda was the means to that end yeah and so uh it seems to me that as the financial system was beginning to implode they panicked and decided to launch this agenda way way early and it is clear that there are many system that systems that would have to be in place that aren't in place that that don't even exist right so one of the things that was meant to happen is that when the pandemic was declared and when they when they um uh when they created this 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 great fear of of contagion uh one thing that was meant to be um phased out was cash and that would have been an easy uh, time to do it because they could say like, oh my God, the virus could spread by banknotes and coins. Yeah. So we have to do away with that. Only digital money from now on. But they didn't have digital currencies prepared, uh, let alone single digital, single global digital currency, which is their objective. So they want to, they want to set the world on a single global digital currency issued by one global central bank none of that was was ready so you know they they kind of uh in the beginning of the pandemic i, I remember that in france some uh some of these um supermarket chains tried to phase out the cash like all of a sudden you 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 go to a shop and it says like we cannot accept cash only electronic payments only only credit card payments yeah. but then they had to reverse themselves a little bit uh, later maybe two three weeks later they had to uh start accepting cash again because i guess not everybody you know not everybody pays with the credit card some people pay with cash and so you know they had to they had to go back so that didn't happen uh, the the digital the digital passes were not ready let alone the the implanted chips which was which which would be the ideal way of of making the control uh, total and ir irreversible yeah. the 5g network was not ready because 5g network was probably probably meant to be a way of controlling the movement you know because once you had the rfid chip in your body then your position was always would be always um, monitored you could always be uh, located so i think all of those uh, all of those uh, ways of controlling the population would i you know from from their point of view would ideally have to be operational globally you know uh, not with with rivals like china and russia who can say no we, we we're not going to do it this way uh and so none of this none of this exists 
And then, you know, another, another, um, another thing that I kind of looked into was the, was the, was the case of Theranos. Um, oh yeah. Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, you know, Theranos was conceived. That's, that's my contention, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that I got that right. Uh, Theranos was conceived as an information weapon. You know, they, 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 they intended to have these mega testing uh, platforms where they could rapidly test a large percentage of population on a regular basis. And that these uh, uh, testing platforms would, again, be centrally controlled so that they could, you know, they could easily contrive the contagious just somewhere. You know, if you, if you had regular testing with some technology that they control, they could easily say, "Hey, let's let's have a let's have an outbreak in Portugal. Let's have an out outbreak in Turkey," and it would be a way of of putting political pressures on anybody who who uh, you know wanted to disobey the dictate. And so, um, none they they didn't have any of those technologies ready. None of it is operational. The digital currencies, which are extremely important, are not ready. They're not. Um, the central you, bank issued current uh, digital currencies. Yeah, yeah, and if you uh, if you uh, um, I, I I listened to an interview with uh, with um, with Carstens, the, the 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 chief of the Bank of International Settlements in Basel, sure. and so already even in two thousand nine, they haven't even begun the project of uh, creating this global. Uh, digital currency for the whole world. Yeah, and only then, only then, when the pandemic already, when the pandemic agenda already was was um, unleashed, they they started. They 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 they, um, they gave some company there in Switzerland the project of creating this new uh, digital um, currency. So they're way behind. So it was it was I think it was a panic. Uh, it was a panic decision. To, and I think that they gave themselves away because, uh, first of all, the diagnostics, they went with the PCR tests. The PCR testing is a known entity to people in healthcare. Uh, a lot of doubts emerged immediately, uh, whereas if you, if you have some kind of um, advanced technology that you control and that you can hide behind, you know, the veil of uh, in, Patents and uh, proprietary intellectual property. You can always say like, oh no, no, you know, like these these are perfectly reliable means of testing the people, but we can't tell you what they are because they are private intellectual property and it's protected. And so, you know, too bad. Just believe us when we tell you that you're positive for some kind of a virus. And so, too many of these pieces were not in place. And I think that they thought that they would just muddle through. Yeah. They would just, you know, like run the, run the agenda uh, and kind of fix things as, as they go along. But the problem is, and this is again where Theranos is a fantastic uh, case study for this, mm -hmm. is that you, you can't really do this if your, if your uh, agenda is, is based on false premises. And the reason is because people are sensitive to truth. And even if you pay them, even if you pay them, even if you say, um, here, you're going to make a lot of money, just shut up and pretend like you don't know this is happening or 
you're good, we're going to pay you, just you, all you have to do is tell a noble lie to the people because we want to protect their health. Well, you know, too many people have realized that this is not true. And in the case of Serranos, uh, you know, they, they had, I don't know, like 200 employees, maybe more, I, I don't recall. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars. The, the company was valued at almost $10 billion at Correct. peak. Uh, they had, they were very, very aggressively um, preempting any whistleblowers. And so most people there kept their mouth shut and did their, did their work, did their jobs. But a small handful of them, a really small handful, five or six people, uh, could not accept it and could not keep quiet because what they saw was wrong and they couldn't just pretend it wasn't wrong. And so the, the whole big thing imploded. And I think that uh, when your agenda is is based on a deception, it will inevitably implode. So I think that um, it's not it's not visible yet, but if you if you just compare where we are today with where we were a year ago, you can tell that it's already, you know, like the, the wheels are coming off. You can see that there are too many people who disbelieve. They're, they're, the, the, the incoherence of the agenda is too obvious. And so there's only so far you can push people with lies if you bribe them, if you want to silence them. But now we see that even silencing isn't working because, you know, like if you had a small percentage of people who were trying to tell the truth, to a large percentage of people who believe the official narrative, then you can silence those that small percentage of people. But when the search for truth forms like a like a like a tsunami, yeah. like everybody is now doubting the official narrative, and then asking themselves, well, well, what is the truth? And they're listening and they're they're actively seeking out answers. Then you can no longer um, you can no longer take care of that by censorship or by bribing or by intimidation, because there are many people who will not be intimidated either. Yeah. And so at that point that everything starts unraveling, however, because they understand, they know that what they have unleashed is probably the worst crime against humanity ever, ever, ever attempted and ever perpetrated because they have done a lot of damage by now already. They cannot say just like, okay, sorry, you know, this is not going to work out. Let's just go back to normal now. They have to go all the way and they have to project control and power all the way to the end. And so, but you can see when they're getting nervous, you know, now you have Pfizer uh, with their new horribly ugly and stupid campaign uh, where like science is supposed to um, uh, pull people away from wild conspiracy theories. You have Pfizer CEO uh, Albert Borla going on stage. Yeah, if we question him, we're considered criminals now. Yeah, so if you spread false information, you're a criminal, which which, which is, you know, like, it, it almost seems like a plausibly reasonable position because he's saying, uh, if you spread misinformation, it can cost people's lives. Right. But you know, like to to brand a whole segment of society criminals because of opinions they hold, and because of the fact that they're voicing those opinion, 
opinions, that, that's extremely radical. That, that is an extremist position and it's very, very dangerous to society because then, you know, like some, some corporate master for whatever reason can say, okay, everybody who thinks this is a criminal and from now on can be prosecuted and pursued at, in criminal justice. So it means that you and I having this conversation now it's a criminal act can get us in jail yeah you know that's 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 like uh i, I don't know if if uh, th this would this would shame this would shame trotsky this would shame the soviet union the bolsheviks but yeah, at least at least the soviets when they had the gulags running they kind of hid it from the public you know they did everything they can to hide those atrocities the idiot moron low IQ fools who run Western governments, they do these stupid things out in the open. They behave in ways as if the Internet does not exist. They act in ways not realizing that everybody has a smartphone with a camera on it. They're such morons. I mean, you highlighted the point with Theranos, and it's remarkable because these idiots are not capable of developing any sort of cohesive and cogent database whatsoever like it's funny like being from new york right here's a perfect case study on how globalists work on a micro level in new york state they have a covid pass called the empire pass that's what you need you, you got to have an empire pass in order to get into restaurants bars uh, uh you know sports stadiums and whatnot but in new york city they have a covid pass called keys to the city and you need keys to the city in order to get into the all the city uh, uh, bars and restaurants and sports stadiums. But here's the funny thing, Alex. Both the state and the city bid out the development of these COVID passes to the lowest common denominator development companies. So they yeah. created these databases that are, on a good day, would work maybe 40 or 50% of the time, number one. Number two, the city pass and the state pass do not recognize each other. <laughs> So they don't even go. So they can't even do this at a at a local level, let alone on an international level. And this yeah. is why I laugh at the West. They have destroyed and debased their scientific advancements. Those who are the pioneers in science and engineering, they have demolished them. And what you have are a bunch of ideologues running around with grandiose ideas of control, none of which could come to any sort of fruition in reality. But one thing that they will do in their rush to create this broken world order is they will break things along the way. And it's that breakage of things and the breakage of systems that has me keeping myself up at night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very glad you pointed that out. That's very well noted because this is one of the things that uh, you know, I'm sensitive to because I've spent last 20 years in, in you know, like part, a big part of what I do is systems engineering, right? And I'm, I'm painfully aware of how extraordinarily difficult it is to engineer such complex systems of control. Uh, you, you have to really want to get them right. And it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources it takes a great deal of well-selected talent because you don't want to you don't want to build such systems with mediocre software engineers right. but you know um top-notch software engineers 
don't need to work on such crappy um, dark projects you know they can choose right and this is this is a real uh, limitation of what they, what they can do because I don't know a few years maybe uh, maybe you'll remember uh, they, they had a problem with uh, drone pilots um, turnover because mm -hmm. yes, drone, drone pilots being human beings had a big problem with wiping out people that they didn't even know who they were. Correct. You know? And then they would ask their superiors, like, who did I just kill? Can you tell me who I just killed? And then they couldn't sleep. And, you know, the, the, you know like the, the hierarchy thinks you're just going to give them an order and they're just going to have to, you know, do what you say or else. And then people would just resign. So they had a huge turnover of pilots. And then Pentagon thought, like, well, okay, you know, like, let's go, let's go do the AI solution to this and so they of course partnered with uh, google and then uh, google was going to engineer the ai system to uh, to manage these these uh, drone programs and then what that did is like it, it caused a mutiny of uh, of uh, of google engineers who didn't want to participate in such a thing right so so what you end up you end up with you know like when when kids uh, choose teams mm -hmm. and then all the best players are chosen first and then <laughs> and then the, the the ones that are left last sitting on the bench well yeah, that's that's who you're going to have to run uh, deceptive deviant agendas because yeah. people sense when something is not right and they're not going to do it if they don't have to if they're not desperate yeah. and so the only people who are desperate are people who are no good because yeah. you know, like nobody picks them right <laughs> it's so true and I Again, I love that example with Theranos, right? Here's Elizabeth Holmes, who is a psycho. She's a psychopath, a sociopath. Totally, totally yeah. Totally. I mean, the woman was so crazy, she deepened her voice to talk. She, she'll, I mean, she has this very high-pitched female feminine voice, but then she'll wear a black turtleneck on purpose with blue jeans to emulate Steve Jobs from Apple. Yeah. And she'll get up on stage, and all of a sudden she has a deep voice. And, yeah. and, she, and she speaks in glib political advertisement talk and we've seen this with silicon valley that's why i call silicon valley silly con s-i-l-l-y hyphen con c-o-n because they're all con artists silly con valley okay and you hear her go up there alex and she, she all of a sudden switches her voice to we're gonna create the greatest diagnostic testing machine Revolution in the context in the context of democratizing diagnostics exactly she would say she would say the moniker in the context of like three times in one sentence yes it was, it was amazing like it was every, amazing the whole thing was scripted and 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 uh, and practiced and, and 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 who did she get she got james mattis on board as a board member she had warren buffett investment you got all these well-known guys investing in her because these westerner these Western uh, political and, and, and corporate oligarchs literally s spend their entire lives in their own little echo chamber that when this psychopath came along, they had no discernment, not even recognizing that she was literally selling them a complete pile of bullshit. They had no idea. Well, uh, no, I think I think it's I think there was a there was a great deal of coercion there because oh. the, the project, you know, she was the front man. She was a front woman for the for the project. She she wasn't really running it. The person who appears to have been running it was George Schultz. He had he, he, George Schultz and um, 
Don Lucas Senior, the 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 the, the venture capitalist. Don Lucas Senior had weekly lunches with uh, with Elizabeth Holmes, so she was she was uh, she was coached and directed by by him and uh, Larry Ellison, and uh, the other the, the other person who was uh, deeply involved was uh, George Schultz. Yeah. And then there was, you know, less involved, but kind of a high level sponsorship of the project. You had, you had um, Gary Ruffhead, uh, Admiral of, of the Navy. Yeah. You had Henry Kissinger. You had uh, Sam Nunn. Uh, the, 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 the whole dream team was uh, deep state swamp creatures. All, um, of all of them. All of them. They, they only got in 2014 when the thing started being a little bit too obvious. They got Bill Frist in there, Senator Bill Frist, who had an MD, who was an MD, but he was nevertheless a deep state uh, swamp creature himself, all the same, in spite of being an MD. And so the whole thing was a, the whole thing was a deception from the get go. And so, you know, like you can't run deception with uh, highly reputed uh, professionals in the field because, you know, somebody who knows about healthcare, who knows about blood testing, who knows about diagnostics and public health, they will not participate in this. So you get a 19-year-old bimbo who can speak eloquently and uh, try to, you know, like try to front the company. And that, that's what actually happened. She, she didn't invent anything. Hmm. Uh, the, the thing was, the thing was like a grand deception from the get-go, and the objective of it was to uh, create these fast, cheap testing facilities that would be within five miles of every household, yeah. where everybody would come for a test for like blood test for two bucks, and then they could tell tell you, well, guess what? It looks like you're gonna be having a cancer. Best you do this therapy that you know Pfizer or Merck has for you. It'll just cost you a couple of thousand bucks, but don't worry, you'll be fine. Good thing we caught it on time. And it would also be a fantastic uh, way to usher in brand new epidemics. You of could course. just tell people they're positive to something, and that they have to get a vaccine or or you know distance or not go to work or whatever whatever you decided that the that the agenda is. And no one would be no one would be the smarter for it because you wouldn't know what the machine what magic the machine does in. I mean, Theranos was supposed to replace PCR in a lot of regards. I think that I think that PCR was Plan B. Yeah, it was Plan B. And Theranos, the Theranos didn't thing work fell out. apart. Yeah. Hello. Oh, great. Amazing story that should give every everybody a uh, uh, reason for optimism because it took a lot for it to fall apart you know the the deception went on for 11 years right 12 years so she 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 started theranos in 2003 and uh, john carreru uh published the expose that finally outed that there, there was a major problem with theranos in two th in uh, october 2015 so that was full 12 years of complete and total deception. And in 2014, so 11 years into this deception, um, they unleashed this PR campaign where Elizabeth Holmes was on every 
cover page of Cosmopolitan, Forbes, yeah. uh, you know, y you name it. And uh, she was in all these uh, TV shows. She was she was everywhere. America's favorite female entrepreneur, billionaire, genius, new Steve Jobs. Uh, they were really trying to suggest how nice she was, how wonderful she was. Like like like, she was doing this all this all from her heart to to help people uh, have better health. And like all stories, Alex, like all stories, she started yeah. Theranos in her garage. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So like a blank sheet of paper and some pencils, that's all. No, but you know, like the, 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 the point being that they, they created this facade of, of, of an un unstoppable thing that was, you know, great business, incredible innovation, an inventor, an entrepreneur, backed by, you know, James Mattis, uh, Kissinger, Schultz, uh, Roughhead, all of these people, investors that were like top, you know, top of the crop of the, of the, of the you know, of the businessmen of, of, of the United States. And, uh, and the whole thing nevertheless imploded, like with, with, with everything they had going, literally like $750 million invested nine billion dollar uh, um, valuation of the company they they put all of this together they had control of the media they had they had incredibly powerful pr they had this uh, boys boys schiller law firm that was actively aggressively intimidating anybody who thought they would let out any kind of a problem about it or blow the whistle so this whole offense defense by by some of the most powerful people in the world in the end fell apart yeah. because five people from that company could not keep their mouth shut in spite of being intimidated and threatened yeah. and so you know my, my point being that this agenda uh going on right now is a is a, is a larger version of theranos very well said and there are too many people who are sensitive to the truth who won't be intimidated. There are too many people who are, even if they can be intimidated and bribe, they, they certainly lost enthusiasm. And then all the captains and, and generals that are meant to drive this agenda forward are those last kids being picked for the team. Yeah. And those last kids are now meant to be the leaders of this agenda. Do you know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like when you when you get when you get somebody of that quality who wants to lead people who are their you know moral superior and professional superiors, it's not going to get very far. So, Theranos had its moment, and one year before it fell apart completely, it looked impenetrable. It looked invincible. It looked so well put together and so powerful that I, I sitting at a hedge fund office had doubts. And the reason why I had doubts is because I kind of wasn't convinced by this bimbo running the show. And then when I saw the board of directors, I thought like, that's not what it's, this is not what it looks like. There's no way that all these people are sitting on the board of a startup in a domain that has nothing to do with their, with their expertise. So 
I'm sure that this is something else. But of course, I didn't know what it was. It was only, you know, after it got exposed that I understood what it was. And then it was only after after this pandemic agenda uh, became became reality that I realized that Theranos actually was a cog in that big machine. It was intended as a cog in that machine. But anyway, you know, the point that I'm trying to make here is that even though the present agenda may look like it's being run by all these very powerful elite people who have all these resources, yeah. who have all this enforcement, uh, censorship, intimidation uh, uh, levers of power at their disposal, uh, maybe maybe we are now where Theranos was in 2004, for, mm. sorry, 2014. Right. Theranos fell apart in 2015. And I'm convinced that this agenda is going to uh, fall apart as well. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. What? How do you think this is this is going to end? And 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 you know, if these guys can't pull the scam off, like I'm, I'm looking at uh, a lot of the uh, the data that's coming out from uh, the stocks from uh, from from uh, what is it from Pfizer, from Moderna. I mean, from J and J. I'm seeing what the 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 sudden uh, you know remarks from the CEO saying that anybody who questions his product is a criminal responsible for the loss of millions of lives and how quickly that all of a sudden alex pfizer has a brand new covid pill out and all of a sudden uh, you know uh, moderna is working on one and j and j is working merck has one coming out everybody's coming out with covid pills that are just a variation or a knockoff of like ivermectin or, or flozanax or one of the other treatments that they have uh for this uh uh this pandemic and I'm starting to look. It's like it, 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 there's. It's like they're preparing a, a plan B already, just in case, where you know this whole plan falls apart. They have something to fall back on, and I think they're also getting their fall guys in place so the CEOs get to skate, and the mid-level guys will probably be fined and/or arrested or go to jail or something like that. What do you see from your landscape as someone who's following these trends? Well, what I see and what I envision are two different things. You know, I, 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 I see them easily um, skating, as you say. Yeah. You know, like Pol Pot did. Yep. Uh, lived out his life to an old age. However, what I envision is that all these people have to be brought to justice. Yeah. Because if we don't do that, you know, this is not the first time they tried something like this. You know, they're... These, these people are eugenicists at heart. They are uh, hell-bent on the, the depopulating their planet because, you know, they'd rather be surrounded by trees than by hordes of hungry, disenfranchised, angry humans, obviously, you know. And uh, I think that if we are to avoid them doing this again, you know, cyclically, periodically, whenever they get to regroup and try uh, a new and improved plan, uh, they have to be brought to justice. Uh, however, I don't think it's going to be possible to do that uh, through civilian courts because civilian courts are, you know, that, that's that's finished. You know, that's a that's an empty facade. You know, you, you you see that you know even Supreme Court cannot cannot mount any kind of resistance to these agendas. They're all uh, scared, intimidated, and probably under. Um, under close surveillance and probably openly threat. Well, you know, you had the case of that uh, judge in New York, Carm I think 
her name was Carmen Cigara or something like that, mm -hmm. who was put in charge of a money laundering trial against the Deutsche Bank. Yep, we, we know what happened to her. And then, you know, somebody sent an assassin to her house and killed her son and, and wounded husband. her husband. Yeah, she, she, so, she, she went down the street to the convenience store. She just, just happened to step out of the house when the assassin came in, killed her husband and her son. And she comes back and her, and her, and her husband's dead in the kitchen table. Yeah, and then and then that that assassin himself turned up dead very quickly, which which is a which is a sure sign that this is an assassination ordered by the deep state by yep. intelligence. Because you know, like uh, when when these structures order an assassination, it's a big deal, and so they they have to kill three people. They have to kill the victim. They have to kill the assassin who killed the victim, and then they have to kill the assassin who killed the assassin to be sure. That they completely cover up the tracks, yeah. and so this is what probably happened. But this is this was a this was a loud, clear message to the judges: do not mess with us. Mm -hmm. You know, do not do not think that you're going to be you know impartially applying the law because this is too important. This goes above your head, and you know. So that's 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 the most drastic way of uh, intimidating them. But I'm sure that they have other ways. Well, you know. Um, I remember that uh, Jonathan Turley uh, said that he had uh, he received threats to his life and to his family's life just because he tried to speak in an impartial way at the hearings for um, I forget his name now the one of the justices um, nominated to the Supreme Court by Donald Ka Trump Kavanaugh yeah yeah Kavanaugh so. Uh, Jonathan Turley kind of commented on the case in a, let's let's call it an impartial way, which was very sensible. But as a result, he 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 got uh, death threats. So anyway, you know that's that's where we are. Civilian courts are not going to be able to bring people like George Soros and Bill Gates uh, or Klaus Schwab to justice. This is going to have to be military tribunals now. I can envision that, but how that happens in practice, I don't know exactly. Yeah. I think it would be imperative to see that through. Not only that, I, you know, like I'm, I'm not in favor of death penalty at all. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think the penalty would have to be very drastic. And I think it should include a complete 100% expropriation. You know, there should be a fund created from, you know, George Soros's uh, wealth and Bill Gates's wealth and every single last individuals who uh, who were protagonists of this agenda. Mm -hmm. And that fund should be used to probably um, uh, reimburse people who have lost their businesses, their jobs, who have, you know, lost their homes because of this and so forth. I think it would be a very, very complex problem, but I think it would be extremely important to do this because we cannot have these devious degenerates uh, playing gods with humanity and and treating humanity like like a disposable resource which which they're clearly doing yeah no, very well said you know i i for one hope and i and i know that the uh the the officer class in the in the u.s military uh, these are the generals, the admirals. I think the majority of them are a lost cause. They're part of the problem. They're desk pushers. A lot of them have never seen combat, never know what the rigors and the stresses are. They're just looking to advance their career and get into some sort of a revolving door position at a defense 
contracting company. But if there is hope, it has to be a military solution. It has to be from maybe a handful of generals who haven't been corrupted. It has to be from the colonels on down, people who really care about uh, their respective countries and their respective nations. Uh, that's the only way. I, 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 don't, I don't see. And more importantly, I, I think most importantly, is the people have to draw the lines. They have to say this, this, this far and no further. Enough is enough. And really start going after these people, man. It, it, it's, it's high time. Otherwise, we've lost Western civilization and all of its ideals for God knows how long. I, Yeah, you know, what I'm going to say might seem a bit radical, but I think that if we lose Western civilization, good riddance, because I think that we can do better. Because yeah, these, last, these last 300 years have been... Kind of crappy. Very... Yeah, they've been very destructive. You know, we've we've wiped out five indigenous civilizations. Yeah, and uh, you know what do we have to show for it? Uh, the, the the age of permanent war, um, environmental destruction, people, people, you know, obesity exploding, people losing their health. Yeah, you know, it's systemic. It's not. You know, like it's not down to individual people. People say like, oh, people are lazy. They sit in the couch. They don't exercise. No, it's, 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 you've, you've lost access to good quality, nutritious foods. So, yeah. you know, like you're eating crap. So obviously your body is suffering. And so obviously, you know, like, so the whole thing is kind of something about the system is pathogenic. And I think we have to do away with this system. And the, you know, like if you peel the onion all the way, uh, you, you really um, converge on the monetary system as the root of all evil. Mm. And we don't have to have this type of a monetary system. You know, this, this monetary system is based on fraud. It's, it's rooted in fraud. It has the seed of its own destruction baked into the system. Mm. But then, you know, like as it, as it progresses, it, it, it wreaks destruction it poisons practically every relation in society. And that's, you know, that's very, very hard to envision, you know, because we were all born in this matrix. All we know is this matrix. Right. We've never, we've never lived in a different way, most of us. And so it's very hard to imagine what life could be like out of this matrix. Yeah. And it's even difficult to uh, imagine what human beings are like when they're not inside of this matrix our our character has been affected by this you know human beings are not selfish aggressive um uh, destructive murderous uh individuals they're something else by 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 their nature yeah except that we've been we've been uh, drawn into this system that creates artificial scarcity when you have scarcity, you have to kind of fight for survival. We're the only species that has to work for survival, you know? Yeah. And they teach us from, from our, the early age that, you know, we are, you know, we are always up against scarce resources, except they're not scarce. They're extremely abundant. It's just that right. you can't have them except by have, presenting these little bills, these dollars and euros and what, what have you. And if you don't have those then you have no access to this abundance, but abundance is everywhere around us. We just can't have it except through this matrix. So it affects absolutely everything. And so in a way, I think the, 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 
um, collapse of the old normal can be a good thing. But, you know, that's a gift that we, we have to make good use of. And I think that the number one problem we, we have to resolve is, a, is, a, is an honest monetary system. And from there goes everything else. Agreed, 100%. Alex, there are many solutions coming out from the multipolar world. And I said this to our close friend, Matthew Arad. I said to Matthew, I said, Matt, if it wasn't for the multipolar world, I would have completely lost faith in humanity. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think exactly the same. And let's say that until about, let's call it 2014, 2015, yeah. I was of the same. I, 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 I really expected gloom and doom. I yeah. really expected gloom and doom, but then once I realized that um, that uh, Russia was not on board with this, and that Russia actually uh, kind of grew strong enough that they could say no, uh, my my outlook brightened considerably. And then only very recently, I realized that China was not on board either. Yep. And so yeah, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic now, but we are still at risk of finding ourselves on the on the wrong side of the iron curtain and i think that particularly the you know the um i think that the united states and that's one of the issues that you raise about partition of the united states and secession i think that would be a disaster i think that it is essential for the for the future of humanity for the united states to remain part of the multipolar world but unified and strong Right. I think that the United States is key to the future yeah. of humanity. Uh, but um, there's a risk. I think the, 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 the greatest risk I see is UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the, you know, like Her, Her Majesty's demands, that they might find themselves uh, at, the, at the wrong side of the, of the next Iron Curtain. And then Europe is, a, you know, a toss-up but we'll see what happens here you know like i i put a little bit of hope in the populist movements inside of europe uh eu as a as a structure as a as a as a let's call it a, a political entity i think it's a the next soviet union if it if it stays intact which which i hope it won't and i don't think it will yeah and then uh and then you have the united states which i think is in the midst of a civil war for control, you know, like we're globalist. For globalists, it will be extremely important to control the United States and to bring it under their own fold. And for the rest of humanity, it would be extremely important for the United States to remain uh, a strong, uh, unified republic, to get back on its republican traditions, and to become part of the multipolar world you know, uh, a strong power on par with, with China and Russia. Absolutely. And I think I, I think if we, and this is what the globalists never wanted, they never wanted uh, Russia and, and the United States to ever get along. They never wanted China to get along yeah. with, with them as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. So not, they exactly. never wanted that. And exactly. I can imagine if all three of those great powers, and alongside with India, get their act together and get along there stands yeah. to be instead of a thousand years of darkness, and I say that you know as a as a as an allegorical kind of way, there'll be a thousand years of peace. You know yeah. that, that potential is there. I mean, it, it, it could be a a new era for humanity where we find yes. scientific breakthroughs to the resource limits that are facing us, 
scientific and technological advancements that would allow humanity to hell, man, even go off world one day, you know? Yeah. Uh, why not? But, you know, I think, I think not only peace, but, uh, I, I think unimaginable prosperity as well. Yeah. Because, you know, like right now we're, we're squandering prosperity on, on wars, on these, uh, completely harebrained schemes of the elites parasites that control most of these resources i mean imagine if imagine if instead of sinking billions into the development of um, of vaccine passports and the whole bureaucracy and technology that you know uh purports to control that if you built libraries and parks and if you made the streets of your 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 city safe well lit clean yeah. you know uh it's for people it's a little bit hard to imagine this but when i was a kid in the socialist yugoslavia um most of the time my parents had no idea where i was you know yeah same we were, we were out we were out we played we, we, we didn't come back until it was getting dark that's the way it was. Exactly. No cell you know, phones. We came nothing. home when we were hungry, yep. and we came home when it was dark and we were too exhausted to carry on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody was worried about us. Nobody, nobody, you know, thought about child molesters, uh, child trafficking, uh, rapists. Uh, none of this. It was, you know, we 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 enjoyed freedom. There was nowhere to trespass. Every, trespass. Everything was open to us. We just went and explored freely. And so, you know, this is, these are ways of, ways of life that now may sound to, I don't know, to younger generations, maybe sound like exotic and, and, uh, and unattainable. But, you know, what we're living now is the anomaly, not what I'm talking about from the, you know, from the previous times. Exactly. Very well said. Alex, uh, we're approaching the end of the show. I would love for you to give out your contact information, how people could follow you, your great work that you do. I put everything I can in the description box on the on, on this uh, YouTube channel. But go ahead, man, if you want to give out your contact info, uh, how people could follow you, your social media, uh, as well as your uh, final talking points, whatever you want to touch base upon. Go for it. Well, you know, my final talking points, I, I would just like to, um, to, to uh, stress the message that I think it's essential that we uh, hold the line that we uh, do not comply with the, with the tyrannical dictates uh, in certain knowledge that humanity will prevailed, will prevail because this scheme has no chance of succeeding. And if it seems to you that it's, it's the people who are running it are too powerful and that they have too much control over it, just think of Tyrannos. And if you, if you want, I, I have a I have a video on my YouTube channel about Tyrannos, which in which I described all that in in some detail, and I think it will not fail to leave you with an with with a sense of optimism about what is going on today and where it is going from here. Um, we need to stand together and rejoice. We've been given a magnificent gift, where you know, like many things that were hidden in the past, are now out in the open. Uh, many truths have become discernible that were obscure before. And we have the chance that no generation before us have 
have ever had because no generation before us had such abundant access to knowledge and information and each other's work in research and uh, uh, investigations. So we have to build on this. I think that, you know, like Isaac Newton said that the way he achieved his breakthroughs is by standing on the shoulders of giants. But today, I, I think we're way past that. I think that we're, we're witnessing an absolute blossoming of, of humanity where we, we don't just stand on shoulders of giants. We're just climbing on top of one another higher and higher and higher, understanding things that we couldn't understand before and finding information quickly, accurately. Everything is out there. So just stand together and rejoice and uh, with a little bit of courage and um, perseverance, we're going to be able to gift our children the future that we can only dream about. Um, it just might, might be that we are the ones that we've been waiting for, as somebody said, and I, I really like the idea of that. Maybe we are the ones we've been waiting for. So uh, let's just stay uh, focused on the on the brighter future ahead, retain our optimism. Anyway, that's that. Uh, where you can find me, I, I have a personal blog called The Naked Hedgy. And I also have a business website called uh, iSystem Trend Following. So I publish a daily trend following uh, report covering about 200 financial and commodities markets. Um, my, uh, my reports uh, cover about, yeah, about 200 markets and uh, uh, are, are produced on a daily basis. Uh, one month test drive is free of charge, so you can find more, find out more about that at iSystem Trend Following, uh, which is iSystem-TF.com. Uh, on on Twitter, I'm at the Naked Hedgy, and I'm also present on Facebook, but that's a different story. <laughs> but that's that. That's uh, that's all from me for the time being. That's all I had to say about that. Alex, I loved having you on, bro. I mean, you were clear, succinct, to the point, an absolute laser focus on the topics. Your connection with not only the examples that you gave with Theranos paints an incredible, lively picture of what we're facing today, number one. And number two, when you talked about the repo crisis that occurred a year before the pandemic, yeah. and I was reporting on it daily, I completely forgot about that, man. I remember those nights going to sleep, waking up in the morning, knowing that $3.2 trillion had to go to the Fed window in order for banks to open up the very next day. Yeah. And you got I it. never you put two and two together. You hit the nail on the head. The system was at a breaking point. They needed this crisis. Yeah, they needed the reset now rather than in 2030 or 2050. And they were not ready. Nothing was ready. Very well said. Alex Craner, the man, the myth, the legend himself is here on Rogue. <laughs> Folks, follow him. The links are all in the description box. Get over to Alex's website. Subscribe to his daily blog. Get over to his YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. And make sure you follow him on social media, on Twitter. And if you are interested, and if you're somebody who is in the uh, in, in the investment world, you're interested in, in having his services, he has his professional website. The link is on there as well uh, in the description box. Go there and contact him. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. I want to appreciate I appreciate you. And brother, we got to do this again. Uh, with great pleasure. It was my pleasure and my pr privilege. Uh, 
again, uh, greetings from Monaco to all your listeners and all your viewers. And thank you very much for having me. I'll be happy to uh, come on board again.